Two Half Squads, Episode 30, Take 1. Hey everybody, and welcome to the one and only podcast about the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. And on today, on our episode, we're going to review a great ASL product, Quad de Guerre. Uh, sorry, Dave, can we do that again? That uh, French accent was pretty bad. All right. Two Half Squads, Episode 30, Take 2. All right, welcome everybody to the one and only podcast about the greatest game in the world, ASL. And on today's episode, we're going to review an ASL product, Quart de Guerre. Yeah, sorry, Dave, that really, uh, that's still not quite it. I don't know, maybe it's your French, but, you know, we got to make this good. So really, really try to give us a French accent on that. Can we do it again? French or lack of French. All right. Two Half Squads, episode 30, take three. All right, welcome everybody to the Two Half Squads. Today we're going to review Croix de Guerre. Nailed it. Welcome to another episode of the Two Half Squads. Hello. Hi, Dave. I'm Dave. I'm Jeff. And this is the one and only podcast dedicated about 80% or more to the greatest game in the world. And that would be Advanced Squad Leader. And I, do I get that? I got that right, didn't I? Yes. Do I get a prize? Right answer, Jeffrey. And you can choose from these lovely items we have out on the table. Hey, yeah, like the like the, the vodka, vodka jar the, again. Yeah, it's the coconut jar with the vodka and gin crossed off. And what have you been up to lately, Jeffrey? What show is this? This is show one twenty nine, I think. Yes, one hundred twenty nine. We're going to have a wonderful interview with Dan Dolan. Yeah, and this and that's is, and we'll this do some letters. Is this one thirty? Oh, one twenty, one twenty. Yes, one thirty. I don't know. Listen. Whatever show this is, just look at it on your MP3 player or whatever you're using. It'll have it's a that num- one. It'll have a number It'll on it. It'll have a number. Dave, I, I have to ask you, as a Bears fan, oh. how are you doing? How are you doing? Been thinking about you lately, Dave. A little yeah. worried, too. I, I was going to call you the other night to make sure you were okay. I was okay. In fact, it was what was really fascinating was I started to root for Green Bay. Did you? I caught myself on two plays. The Eddie Lacy break in the run, and he bounced way outside and took it in for a touchdown. I was starting to go, yeah, go, 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 because I guess I have a need to watch someone succeed and yeah. cheer them on. Right, that's and it's so miserable. And I, you know, I cannot really figure figure it out. From last year, this this offense was like second or third in the league in points scored to go to like nothing in a year. Yeah, and the defense they shorted up. And they were able to start stop for you football fans that have been following a little of this. They, they were actually able to start stopping the run earlier in the season. Like they fixed some of their problems. So if the defense could go middle of the road average with an outstanding offense, it looked like we could maybe make the playoffs. And then collapse. Collapse. And you know, people are blaming this coach Trustman and 
what they did was they brought in a lot of big name free agency players. And I think someone was referring to a certain year of the Cubs. Now I don't follow the Cubs, but when the Cubs brought in some big name free agency players, they come in with talent, but they they're not a team, right? Because they're all famous on their own right or more egocentric, and and so they think the Bears are suffering from this lack of a team identity. Yeah, and I don't know. Does, does that make that much of a difference when you're playing football? Just play yes. your position. Dave, there's no I in team, <laughs> as you know. But there is me. You, but unfortunately, there is me. Did you, did you bring this topic up just to make that joke? No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's brutal, and it will be, and I will continue to mostly watch just to see how bad it can yeah. get. Yeah. Did you watch the whole game? A lot of people. I gave up at the fourth quarter, but. I've never been as as many people know, and I should stop saying that because we, we probably have new listeners to this show. If you're new to this show, apps, you know, hey, welcome, by the everyone. Way, welcome. Uh, we hope you have a, a better good listening time. We'll experience than you will tonight. Yes. <laughs> um, but as many people know, I'm not a sports fan at all. I know nothing about it. Yeah. But um, it does get. I I have had my moments where I would watch with you know a bunch of guys sitting around watching. And, gets very exciting and it gets very depressing then when they're losing and you want to turn the t- the TV off and it's kind of silly because it's still a sport it's, and it's just yeah. gets so wrapped up emotionally in the winning of your team and and the losses or the yeah. agony of defeat is true. And you know I kind of chose to become a Bears fan uh cuz I I wasn't really watching. You had a choice? I <laughs> Well, I guess a lot of people grow up that way or just love sports so much, but I was not that guy either. So, you know, I came into the 85 Bears and Fairweather yeah. fan, I guess right. I was because, you know, people started, I started watching that. I played football in high school, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I was the drum major senior year, so I wasn't playing football then. And I preferred being the drum major than going out there and having people push me around or trying to push other people around. And I you. never really wanted to hit anybody very hard. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I never watched it on TV. And like the coach asked me what what number I wanted, I was a offensive lineman, very offensive when I wouldn't bathe for many weeks. And You're still a little <laughs> offensive, if you don't mind my saying so. And um, he asked me what number I wanted, and I said 2001. A space? Can I do that? It's yeah. from the movie A Space Odyssey. Really? You said that? I did say that. Oh, I boy. said, can we? Can they go up to 2001? And he's like. What do you don't you watch football? Don't you have a number of a person that you admire in football? And I'm like, no. Mm. Am I supposed to? Because I'm like a high school kid. Why would I be watching football? Well, that's very charming. Your ignorance is very charming. Kind of like Forrest Gump. I suppose it's your Forrest Gump moment. You know. But I played, and I remember the one time. <laughs> do people really want to hear this? I, I well, no, well, I, no. I was in the paper. It said Kleinschmidt recovers fumble. There's a picture of me <gasps> leaping on the ball. No. But the reality is... It wasn't you? It it was me in the picture, Oh, but I didn't recover that fumble. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> it squirted out of my hands, and oh. the other guy oh. got it from our team. <laughs> but, yeah. So even the photo of me being successful is a lie. Yeah. <sighs> it, it makes a, me think of The a... Sporting Life, the song by The Decemberists. Great, great tune. Uh, the lyrics are great. How he lets the team down and how his dad's all disappointed and yeah. his girlfriend starts to go out with the quarterback of the other team. No. And yeah. That's what, I love that song. Yeah. I fell on this plane. 
we love the sporting life. Yeah, I'm so sorry for you. You're, you're right. It's an interesting thing. So yeah. I after the 85 beers. Thank you. I decided, you know, I'm going to w- watch a sport. I'm going to. P- I, I'm, I do like football enough. Now I'm going to watch it. So I just started watching, and in those days, I didn't care as much. So the Bears could be average, and I was really pretty good with that. I'm like, oh, we won this week, you know, and yeah. Oh, ne- we'll lose next week. That's okay. But suddenly, then the longer I'm doing this, yeah, the more it's like you get sucked in. Okay, last season was pretty good. We're going to build on this. And we're going to go to the playoffs this year, and then your hopes are up. And, you're, and yeah, you're like, we're going to go. <laughs> yeah, then we're going to go. We're doing good this year. <laughs> well, they keep kicking me off the team bus when yeah. I try and get on it. And the Bears and their security. Look how well we're doing. <laughs> we rule. See now, isn't that an interesting concept? It is. Yeah, I use the word we. Yeah, we rule. That's what, what they say. Your team wins, you rule along with them, even though you did nothing. They lose. Yeah. You're a big loser. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Oh, and then. Oh. <laughs> Should I keep monologuing? Sure. Laura and I went to, everyone knows the Bears lost to the Packers. Well, by the time this airs, it would be months later. Yeah. And we'll, it, well, it'll be December. A month later. Yeah, it'll be. Because we're getting way ahead in our show production. Yes, we are. And we went to Cedarburg, Wisconsin for a night away and- and a day away, and I'm in the sitting there having dinner with Laura Navarro up there, and the guys behind us are just mocking <laughs> Jay Cutler and the Bears. Oh yeah, oh Jay Cutler was pouting. No, oh, it was the greatest thing. It was so cool. We just tore him up, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this yeah. isn't as good of a vacation away as I thought it would yeah. be. Yeah, so it was fine. So yeah, you do. You get too. Wouldn't it your be point interesting? Is you get too caught up into it, and it's not really you or. Is that what you were saying? Yes. Yes. And and I think it's interesting that people just happen to be attracted to their hometown team. Because your friends are, and your dad was, right? Isn't that yeah, how it works? Why? I think you should pick a team just based on their merit. Like, you like their colors. That's the way I would do it. I like the colors. Well, have I said this on the air before? That growing up, I liked the Vikings. Because of good colors. Because I like Vikings. Oh, because you like Vikings. And That's a they great... Have, and they have the purple. Yeah. And then I like the Lions because I like the blue and the silver yep. and the lion on the helmet. Yep. The C for Chicago did not interest me as a, yeah. as a young person. I liked the Cowboys because they were Cowboys. And they had stars. Yeah. So, you know, you're right. That was My dad kept being, no, you can't root for them. They're from, you know, <laughs> you've yeah. got to be a Bears fan. Yeah. Um, but I, And I don't like Green Bay because of the, the – what's the symbol? It's a letter again like the Bears are. Yeah. But the colors are just obnoxious. The green, the green and gold. It's just obnoxious. Yeah. But, but look, hey. Well, unless Green, you're playing football, you would not wear those colors together. Right. And Green Bay fans, you don't have to post comments. Okay. I'm not a rivalry person. I admire your quarterback. I admire your whole organization. Your team is owned by the public, I understand. Green Packers are owned by the people. The people? Yes. They're from they own the people. Yeah, it's like you can buy stock in the in the company. Really? The, yes, it's one of the few NFL teams that's run like that. So hey, I totally admire it, and good for you. You know, have a wonderful de- decade and more years coming up with Rodgers, and so enjoy it. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it, but I'd, I'd like to make the playoffs once, <laughs> once during your adult lifetime. Yeah, 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 since the Bears went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, with Lovey. Yeah. Well, I just think it's interesting that people uh, get so attracted to that stuff. Now, in the case of ASL, they're ASL players 
all over the world. They're not just in Rhode Island. Where's MMP? Oh, right. Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. You don't find all the ASL players in Maryland. And then like all of the, uh, like all the Dungeons and Dragons players aren't in Wisconsin, in Washington. Well, where Hasbro well, now, is now. Yeah. I think they're in Washington or, or something. Or the Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast, yeah. Maybe Used to be the Wisconsin connection because of uh, Gary Guy Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So I just... Anyway, we're glad everybody's here, and we're going to get on with a little advanced squad leader. Tonight we have a great interview and with Dan And letters we're going to do? We're gonna do some, want to do some letters? Or Let's do And it's time for letters. Yes, it is. Something yeah. a little different, a little uh, different arrangement tonight. Yes. Found this on the, uh, this is by the United States Air Force Air Mobility Command Band of the Golden West. We thank you for your contribution to the show. Yeah. And for you younger listeners who are probably like starter kit players, the sticking sound you're hearing on the song is as typewriter. This is a device where you would tap your fingers along a keyboard, much like a computer keyboard that you may be familiar with. The current computer keyboard is based upon the old designs of the old typewriters that Jeff and I used when we were young lads in college. Big, heavy metal devices, and by heavy metal we don't mean the music. And you would tap the letter and it would fling up a peggy thing, would you call it, Jeff, or an arm? Yeah, an arm. It would slam a engraving of the letter and it would hit a ribbon of black ink and slam into the piece of paper which is on a roller beneath the black ink this would leave a print in ink of the letter that you chose when it reached the end of the line you would hear a little ding and that meant you would reset your line to the next line by pushing a lever that moved the Roller back to the left side, and you could start typing all over again. And when you made a mistake, you just didn't have a simple delete button. You could highlight and delete sections. No, you had to actually get a piece of white, white out, and you had to write it right on the letter and and goop it on there, and then try and reline up your paper into the right spot, and then hit the letter again. And then it was all really difficult to do. And so you starter kit players have it all easy. Like we don't want to learn to bypass and we don't like sniper rules and then look how hard we had it when jeff and i were kids dave dave calm down am i am i gonna have to talk you down off the ledge just oh, sorry. relax relax sorry i think it relax. i think it was that you bringing up the bears i don't know yeah okay my apologies that was uh you're, you make a good point though the starter kit players are computer keyboardists and the real aslers typewriter are real people. typewriter people yeah they you like know, to do things the hard way. A chimpanzee could pick up a typewriter and fling it with one arm. And those are I heavy. suppose. They can. What difference Dangerous does it animals. make? <laughs> yes. Just well, pointing but... out how dangerous. I don't want that chimpanzee ever in the studio again either. I'm glad he's not been here for years. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Didn't you remember an ape went berserk and he like picked up these heavy metal typewriters and went flinging them with one arm around the whole place? No, I don't really remember that. Yeah, in the news I don't pay time. a lot of attention to the. I don't Chimp- read the chimpanzee news <laughs> like you do. Well, okay, we've got a call in from a very wonderful listener. Love listening to your podcast. Thanks a lot for all the hard work you put into it. 
And um, I just wanted to let you know, you were talking about the night drop scenario. And I wanted to let you know that in one of the, I think it's Critical Hit, they did a series of three scenario packs, campaign games, on the 82nd Airborne dropping into Normandy. And in one of those, I think it was Shanley's Hill, but I'm not positive, they have a, a solitaire ASL scenario where you start out with a single leader counter and you have to go and look at the different uh, concealment markers on the map and then roll to see what those concealment markers really are, whether it's American paratroopers, whether it's German soldiers, whether it's an equipment bundle with a bazooka or a medium machine gun or something like that. Um, so it's really fun. I played it probably half a dozen times because it's just fun wandering around the map, picking up your stuff. And then, like you said, having to play kind of by the seat of your pants and just uh, innovate and improvise throughout the scenario because it's never the same, and you never know even what forces you have. Um, and then you have to go capture one of the one of the buildings on the map at the end. So it's pretty fun. I know you guys haven't done solitaire that much, um, but at any rate, I guess that's it for today. And if you do have a copy of that, I would definitely say break it out and give it a shot because the uh, it's a lot of fun. Anyway, again, thanks for all your hard work, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. That sounds like a great scenario. Yeah, and that you, was... Are you familiar with that one? Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Sounds really so, cool. And Steve Du Bois. I mean, Bois. Du Bois, yes. Steve Calling Bois. in. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so try that, listeners, or leave a comment if you've played it and with your thoughts yeah, in the sounds... comment section. Don't see many of those, um, many that are quite that creative. And we have another one from Tim from Virginia. Oh, good. Play it. Play it, Tim. Timothy, or Tim, your favorite uh, listener from Richmond, Virginia, that still doesn't play ASL, (laughs) but I'm listening to episode 126, Two Fruitcakes, or Two Half Fruitcakes, or gosh, I can't remember the name of the episode. I just wanted to say that, uh, first off, uh, I always read the blurbs, to each podcast. So, yeah, keep it up. Keep trying. Uh, maybe Dave needs to drink some more Dragon's Milk uh, to help with the creativity. Keep up the great work. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, thanks for that, Tim. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tim. I think he he really had some words of wisdom there. <laughs> oh, the chair just threw me out Uh-oh. again. Dave is just sitting oh. once again in the automatic, e- <laughs> the two half squads automatic ejector seat chair. You really tried to throw me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tim. And to keep you on your toes. And our creativity is is back tonight. Yeah. I think we even have some comedy bits to add on. Remember, we did a couple comedy bits. When oh, yeah, we did. On to these shows. When that, that night we thought we were funny. <laughs> so I'm going to have a little more of this. You can. I finished off my tea. And you're drinking? You've got something else going on. I had over there, tea don't you? and I had water. Oh, yeah. Really exciting. And Tell then, us all about your and, water and then experience, I had a, Dave. A Guinness. Oh, okay. Well done. We have another one here. Which is from Mr. Kwan about Tarawa, and then a special announcement from Mr. Kwan. He sent us two voicemails. Oh, let her rip. Hey, Jeff and Dave. How you doing? This is Jackson Kwan. Just want to leave you a message to uh, tell you how much I appreciate the two episodes you did on Blood Reef Tarawa. I myself have been actually learning seaborne assaults from this gentleman, John Knowles, out in Taiwan. And my ASL mentor, Witch Bottles, has been actually sending me his BRT CG logs to help me learn. Now, I obviously want to be able to play BRT one day, 
So your two episodes explaining the rules and the nuances uh, of the um, module um, is certainly welcome and very much enjoyed. So great work, guys, and uh, keep it up. Take care. And to be honest, if I was worried about, like, are people going to skip episodes just because they're about Tarawa? I mean, you know, yeah. it's rule intensive. And I, I have to think that a lot of listeners, uh, a lot of listeners listen to them all, no matter what, just because they like to listen to ASL. But there are some that are going to pick some episodes over others because it's going to have their interest. So, you know, or it doesn't have their interest. But I think, uh, you know, overall, each one of our episodes is a gem in its own right. <laughs> But not everybody likes rubies. Some people like emeralds. <laughs> like what? Emeralds. Well, they said hemorrhoids. Yes, and some people like hemorrhoids. <laughs> well, here's Jackson Quan again with an announcement about his new Yahoo group. <laughs> Remember, folks, we're here to help get the word out. Yeah. Hey, Jeff and Dave. Some of us uh, Asia-Pacific ASL players have actually put together a uh, Google group so that we can actually uh, talk easier amongst ourselves be able to actually help each other out the rules and be able to actually line up games uh, on a regular basis easier. Um, so I want people to know about this uh, group. If you actually just go, get on Google and actually look at uh, or look for Asia Pacific Advanced Squad Leader Rally Point. That's Asia Pacific Advanced Squad Leader Rally Point. You'll be able to find us. You don't even have to be physically located in Asia Pacific. If you want to have a few games going in Asia Pacific time zones, if you actually want to interact more with people in the Asia-Pacific time zones, please come join us. We have about 14 people uh, in the group right now. We very much look forward to, uh, to have you join us. If anybody have any problems finding a group or joining, you can always find me on Game Squad. I'm the Hong Kong Wargamer, or you can just get on to my blog. I'll be happy. I'll be more than happy to help you out. Thanks a lot, guys community coming together yeah and so i went on to google and typed in asia pacific advanced squad leader rally point and it came back with the asia pacific advanced squad leader rally point site so you can go there and join that site and chat with all those guys see if there's anybody in there right now i was thinking it'd be fun to have a oh, who's got time never mind we do i was gonna have a live chat room an irc chat room that's open and on all the time. People just go in and you chat live with the other people that are in the room. Like talking, talking chat? or you have to do No, it's typing. typing chat. It's typing, but it's faster what? than a forum. How, how would you get the typewriter hooked up to the computer? It's complicated, Dave. <laughs> Leave that to the professionals <laughs> like me. But I, I've been thinking about doing that, but Who's I, got time? I need more time. time. I don't have time. I actually really don't have time. No, you have to write more comedy bits for, for us. Yeah. Instead, well, that's all the call-in letters I got. So, so why don't we get on with our interview with the amazing Dan Dolan? I think I think so. The next voice you hear, well, it's probably us introducing Dan Dolan. <laughs> probably trying not to get confused. Or it's everybody, a, a phone ringing or Wake something up. like that. Stay but, with us. Boy, this show is full of other voices tonight. It is. Isn't it? Hello. Oh, there he is, Dan Dolan. Hello there. Would you like to contribute to uh, our campaign? Okay. Who do I have to pay? <laughs> Send a check to the two half squads. <laughs> no, hi. Hi and welcome hi. to the two half squads. We're glad to have you on the show. Okay, it's very good to hear from you. It's quite an honor. And, and 
And here it is. It is, uh, what's the date today, Dave? Dave is the official Oh, it is uh, November 12th. 12th, yep. 2014, and this is episode 129, maybe. No, 130. 130, I'd like to thank you guys for that. Like, you've torn a chunk of my life out listening to the uh, episodes. (laughs) So we thought, we we wanted to call you just so we could sit back and let you talk about us. So (laughs) I love you guys, man. This is, you guys are the best. I wish you'd be out like every week. Oh, well, thanks. Well, That's thanks. really nice. That is nice. I, like, I listen to you guys all the time. You've been especially helpful the last couple of episodes with the rules you've gone over, the climbing rules and the, the rafts and stuff like that. Well, that's only because we just had reread them ourselves and took notes. That's <laughs> right, though. It's, it's good. You know, it's like I know the rules are out there, but I have no idea how they work most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you in, know, I'm I, a... I just try to do something, and my opponent will go, you can't do that. Uh, oh, okay. You, yeah. How do I do it? You know, and they'll tell me. So, Dan, how long have you been playing ASL then? Uh, since it was Squad Leader. Okay. Uh, wow. I, I bought Squad Leader when, like, I think the first week it was out. Yeah, one I've up on me these, again. I've been playing these games since 1960. Wow. Holy cow. Wow. And did have you been continually playing them, or did you, like so many people... Go through twenty five years or so of not playing, so you could raise a family and do other kinds of unimportant stuff. No, no, I, I continued playing right on through. It, it's been uh, something I've done my whole life since I was ten years old. Wow, that's great! And who who did you who did you play with? How did you get started? Well, I got started. Uh, my parents bought me two games: Gettysburg, yep, and uh, Tactics Two. And now that's they, one they, I don't know. What Tactics they, Two? What's that one? It's an Avalon Hill game. It's uh it's a game that they played as big red and great blue or some red and blue side. And they just it's played on a square map board. And it's the counters are like really basic, just attack and movement. And is that like a neutral, not an actual historical period or No, it's uh it's an old Avalon it's one of the first games that Avalon Hill put out. But it wasn't like World War Two or it was based on, like, well, there was nuclear weapons in it. You could have nuclear weapons or armored divisions and uh, cores and stuff like that. Really basic, though. Was, you remember the Avalon Hill attack and defense, A-eliminated and de-eliminated table, the combat result table? No, because <laughs> my oh, okay. mom bought me Gettysburg also, my brother and I, because we were making our own kind of games like that and doing a lot of dioramas with those little HO, you know, those little figures, train set, right. like, ear fix. Right, right, right. Yep. And we, we didn't never quite actually played it. We looked at the rules and never got to it. Uh, I had a pair of brothers that lived next door to me, the Kelly brothers. And uh, the older guy we used to call a computer, even when oh. computers were in their infancy, because this guy, would, he could analyze anything. And we started playing these games with the Avalon Hill stuff, uh, Midway and D-Day and, you know, Chancellorsville and stuff like that, those games. And, God, I've been playing since then. I got uh, probably about... 3,000 games right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You still have all that stuff? Oh, I, I, my wife is like ready to throw me my games <laughs> and anything else I own out of the house. Well, now, now you can tell her you're famous because you're going to be on a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like highlight, you know? <laughs> I'm going to like hand copies of this out to people on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, people will treat you with a little respect. Exactly. This will launch my presidency campaign, you yeah. know? <laughs> So do you have a uh, – I'd be interested in seeing if you have a picture of your game collection. That would be uh, 
Or, or, I still and, have a picture of it I can send you, actually. I got a, I got a couple of my. What happened, uh, it's funny, I recently I've been moving it. Uh, we've redone my basement. We tiled the basement. After having a road down there for like 20 years, we tore it up and tiled it. Mm-hmm. And I had to move a third of my game collection into my son's old bedroom. And the room now is piled from like ceiling, well, from floor to like two feet off of an eight-foot ceiling with, with games. Wow. And uh, I got to figure out something to do with them in the next two days because my grandson is coming from Texas. Oh, wow. My five-year-old grandson, so he's going to be with me for a month. So it should be interesting, like, trying to juggle the games and see how this whole thing goes. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you could get a shot of you in front of that, uh, we could post when we post this show. We always like to include a picture of our guests. All right, yeah, that's fine. No problem. That would be great. So, um now, I have seen your name on many products in the past, yeah. I think, as a scenario design, and what, what else? Have you done things like that? Yeah, I just design uh, mostly scenarios and historical modules and stuff. I've, I've always loved to do that. I read a lot of World War II stuff as a kid. Uh, I grew up, you know, um, when my father was in the Navy at Pearl Harbor, and, uh, you know, that was always a big part of our lives. We had the World War II in pictures collection. Mm-hmm. like 16 volumes and like i was used to look at pictures so it got me interested mostly the pto that's where i i really started like waiting for the japanese for years and they, they tortured us they did a squad leader up to the japanese and then they said oh you know we're gonna switch to asl and go back to the germans and the russians again yeah <laughs> it was like just crushing you know i mean like the people who were waiting for the pto that was just like they love to toy with us don't they oh my god it was horrible even like avalon hill was like in you know, then the Japanese finally came out, and I started playing around with scenario design, you know, because they only had like 12 of them. And right. uh, I got into doing some scenario design for uh, some of the weird fanzines that used to be out, In Contact and A-Slug. Mm-hmm. Now those I have. Do at the point. Yep, at those. Uh, and, you know, those guys, Gary Fortenberry, Rob Wolski, Wolke. Uh, and people like that, you know. So I got to know a lot of the people via email and stuff through the old ASL Genie. They used to have it. Yeah, what was that Genie? I remember reading about it somewhere. But It was like a twisted bulletin board where you could post, you know, like ASL-related stuff. Mostly flame wars. People would argue over the most ridiculous things. But yeah. you could post it, but you had to make a call to a certain location. To, like they had, like you, I used to have to call Patterson, New Jersey, and it was a toll call for me. It cost me 35 cents to make the call. So every time you wanted to post a message to this board, it cost you 35 cents. And it was uh, online then, the board? Yeah, it was online. Like it was an online you know, bulletin board, but it cost you per message to post to it. You had to make a call, like a long-distance call to <laughs> Supposed to it, you know oh, how far we've come. Well, I remember when my school got computers back in the '80s. I guess uh, my friend was trying to tell me how great this was, and so he knew I was into this game, Advanced Squad Leader, and he uh, had me call. And it was like the dial tone and the, the yep, ringing. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and then I got through to something, and I and the pictures came up on the screen, and it was something real early, like ASL Crossroads or something. I don't know. It wasn't Genie. I never did Genie. Yeah, yeah, no, this was, uh, it was pretty strange. They had uh, a bunch of guys on there, uh, then they went to the ASL bulletin board was a big switch. Okay, and that, that was, uh, you could post directly on that? Yeah, you could post directly on that. They had, uh, oh, that was a weird cast of characters on that. You had Kurt Schilling used to be on, uh, Rob Wolke and Bob O'Connor used to hang out all night long, like, throughout the night. They were, they called themselves the Bat Dudes. 
They would like be on. You could like just converse with these people for hours on end via the internet. You know, it was like all ASL talk mostly. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, I got into designing. I started doing scenarios for those people. And then one night, I was fooling around with the uh, ocean overlays. I said, you know, you can make a map out of easy because you can make a little island. And I was flipping through a book that I had, and I saw a picture of Cavuto and Tanambogo. Did you do that one too? Yeah. Oh. I've always wanted to play that one. It looks so cool. I love the maps. You can see, Jeff and I, once again, our research end is really poor when we interview people. But, yeah, that's, no, I've done a lot of the weird stuff. I, I do the weird esoteric stuff, you know. Like, I get into, I did that. I did Ruizat Ridge. Yeah. Which has the worst map that was ever produced by a major company. Well, that was with Critical Hit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, yeah, I didn't buy a lot of their stuff. Um, oh, if you look at that map, it's like classic in its ugliness. People accuse me of drawing it with crayons. <laughs> and did you draw it? I did. I, I hand-drew it. It was a playtest map of mine that I drew up. And I sent it into Ray Tapio to, uh, you know, have him look at it. And he liked it. He was like, wow, this is a really nice-looking map. You know, we were talking about it. And he says, I, I think I might use this. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool, you know, figuring he was going to have, like, somebody computer do it or something. Yeah. Damned if he didn't use my map. <laughs> you know, he just he, he copied it onto a glossy paper, and it, it turned all of the day years into this, like, electric yellow. It looked like a, I actually did it with a highlighter, but I had toned it down with brown watercolor. Okay. But it didn't take that way on the finished copy. It came through like the sun. So you have this, like, mountain that was basically black because the third level of it came out between a brown and a black instead of like a light tan, yeah. and this electric yellow, like, smiling face that surrounded it. <laughs> and they, re they numbered the map completely wrong. They numbered, like, the map was numbered like 1013, 1014, 1.015. And when they did the campaign game for it, he changed it to A1, B1, C1. Oh, man. But, but all the scenario cards had, like, the, the hexes numbered. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So you had to go through deciphering then, that whole thing. And they never reissued a new map for people? They did. They reissued it uh, not not too long ago, about two, two or three years ago, I think. I haven't spoken to Ray in a while, but uh, they reissued a, a computer-drawn map that's pretty nice-looking, actually. Wow. And, uh, you know, they redid the scenarios. But there, there was a good good bunch of desert stuff in there. People enjoyed playing it. The campaign game was done by Kurt Martin. Okay. We need to interview him too. Is he? Can you get him to call us or email us? Is he around? He's around. He does a lot of bike racing and stuff. If you go on the Facebook page, he does a lot of bicycle riding out in California. I think he lives out in California somewhere. But he used to do the route report. Yep, that's where I know him because yeah, I have all those too. The route report. Yeah, yeah. He, he published the, the Third Bridge by uh, Critical Hits, one of their better modules. Yeah, that was he was putting he was going to put that out for years, and then Avalon Hill bought uh, the Pegasus Bridge one, and they went with that, and his sort of got pushed off to the side. But it's a really good, uh, good module. It has high walls. It's got first level walls in it. Okay, you know that uh, they can be destroyed though; they're not indestructible. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So but, how uh, how did you get started with uh, design? It's, I mean, it sounds like you you kind of make up your own rules as you go when you're doing design. You you just pick something interesting and 
Yeah, I pick because, a topic that uh, I like yeah. to design. You know, like I was, I, I'll read a book like uh, the ones that I did. I read a desert book when I started doing Rulers at Rich. I was reading a book about Rommel. And uh, then it was the Rommel Papers. That's been the source of two of my historical modules so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read a book about Okinawa when I did Kakazoo Ridge. Oh, and, oh yeah, okay. You know, I was reading the, uh, the the Army book about Okinawa. I think they call them the Green Books. Yes. And yes. I was reading that, and I was, you know, I ran into this thing about Kakazoo Ridge, and I said, oh, this would be an interesting historical module. So I drew out a map of it, and I had it all set up, and I had done like eight scenarios for it. And uh, I got a call from Brian Yaus going, oh, we got this map that Don Petros did of this place, Kakazoo Ridge. I remember you talking about it. So he sent me a copy of Don's map, which is one of the best-looking maps of ASL, I think. Uh, and it matched mine almost hex to hex, because we drew it off of the same map. So it was nothing to convert my scenarios over to his map. Now, was, how... was that the one with the caves and the spigot guns? Yep, the spigot mortars, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Timon and I played all those. Yeah, we liked yeah. those a lot. God was on the Hassa side, and uh, you got the big uh, American tragedy one. Right. That, yeah, that's yeah. The big... And that came out in the journal or something, right? Journal 2, I think it was, yeah. yeah. But uh, then I did, uh, you know, I haven't really done anything since that. Uh, I've been working on this Denon project for a few years, since like 2000, actually. <laughs> It's it's gone on longer than Tom Morin's Valor of the Gods. Yeah, yeah. T- so tell us about that project. What's well, the hist- uh, historical background on it? Actually, it-, it started with a conversation on the ASL bulletin boards between me, Xavier Vitri, and a couple other people. I think Gary Fortenberry. And we were talking about how the French had such great skill at manufacturing that they made a tank where the commander sat outside of the turret on a little bench. <laughs> Nice. And, you know, he, the guy was totally exposed. They, they closed the turret behind him. Like, they put him outside on this bench, and he'd, like, sit there, and they, they had the turret, they, the doors on the turret closed behind him, so that everybody else was inside the tank except him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were, we were talking about, like, you know, how this was weird, and, you know, the French was strange, and they surrendered, and, you know, just back and forth at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. And Xavier said, well, why don't you design something for the French? And I was like, well, okay, yeah, I'll design something for the French. Let me see what I can find. You know, and I started looking around, and I looked in the Rommel papers, and they had this, you know, thing about Denat where he had to personally come and direct the, the people across the river to set fire to the buildings that they were in to give them smoke cover so that they could cross the river. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right. It was a big river crossing. Yeah, Yeah, and... uh <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. There's nobody ever really done a, a river crossing thing. So, I, I, you know, once again, I got my map drawing skills out, and I took a piece of paper about the size of an 8x5 index card with hexes on it, and I shrunk it down, and I drew out the map on that on like an 85 by 11 piece of paper on what amounted to 10 geo boards for the, uh, you know, like regular ASL geo boards, 10 yeah, by yeah. 33 or whatever they are. Right. Yeah. I put ten of them together, and I drew out this map for Dinant, including the river and the town and the area behind it. You know that the uh, the action took place after the crossing. And what year was this then? When did I start doing it? No, I'm I'm sorry. The actual event. 
1940, May of 1940. So it was right early. Yeah, the French were still fighting, I guess. So they had just started. Rommel had just started attacking through uh, the Ardennes. He came through the Ardennes in like two days. Yeah, okay. He had that little action. I sent you guys a scenario that I designed on that, the Chabrez. Yes, I looked at that, yeah. That might get you a counter. Dave. I'm sure hoping. It's you know, actually... I mean, uh, there was actually a Lieutenant Kleinschmidt that uh, led the flanking force. As soon Ooh. as I saw that, I said, "Oh, I got to do a do a scenario of this. This can this can be your ticket in." Now, do you do you do you, <laughs> do you control that when they go to print? I, I you know I can ask Chaz and those guys. You know, like, hey, can you do this? Because you know, you guys are like a valuable addition to ASL. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Well, and of course they're saying the names now. They said that the Klein and the Schmidt separate counters in one of the starter kit things were me. Um, but the Klein no, I think Schmidt, you got to have one 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 on there. You know, either like with a hyphen after Klein, or just wrap it around two corners of the counter. <laughs> well, if you take, I think one letter one, out. You know? I think it fits. <laughs> no, no, I think you go with the whole thing and just wrap it around two. You know, half the counter. This is 2014, Dave. With modern printing, they should be able to get it all on there. Yeah, come on. This is, you know, this is not rocket science here. We're yeah. just putting a name on a counter. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I could, you know, I mean, you might end up as a, you know, a French 6-0 or something, you know, but, you know, I don't know what they'll, you know, put well, you on. You know, if you're making the push that this is the historical Kleinschmidt that was Well, there, yeah, that's he, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. and, and the Kleinschmidt that I have. Got to be in there got to be, you know, it's, I, 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 I almost want to put a special rule in that they have to use the Holst counter whenever they have a French 7-0. They have to use a what uh, counter? The Holst, Corporal Holst. Oh, the Holst. <laughs> <laughs> we love Holst. Oh, he's a classic, man. He's, he's a great guy. We've had some great conversations over the years. Yeah, we have to interview him again. He, yeah. He's on one of our earlier shows. Yeah, he's he's great. We used to he used to design stuff with, with Mark Hannon at the point. Yeah, and like I would play test his, and he would play test mine. You know, I was playing with Dave Lehman and Andrea Canatori. Uh, you know, back when ASL was just first starting out, they were doing a lot of play testing for Don Greenwood and uh, Rex Martin. So we had like a bunch of people were play testing, and Scott Holst used to send these scenarios with like awesome carnage and destruction, as he would call them. <laughs> and it was like you know 16 SS squads and like 10 Panthers against like 35 Russian squads and like T-34s just meeting over two boards you know? <laughs> and it was just like on a hill you know and he called it like the hill of death yeah <laughs> it was just it was great, you know, but he would, like, at the time, he was, like, he was going to parties, like, he would post pictures of himself dressed up as a woman. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, no, it was, he used to call himself Tabby. He's ahead of his time <laughs> in so many ways. <laughs> I didn't know he was that much of a character. Oh, yeah, no, he was pretty funny. I mean, he was, he was a lot of fun to talk to. He was great. He's, I still talk to him on the uh, Game Squad forums. You know, but uh, he's, he's he's a great guy. I mean, he's a lot of fun. For all the controversy he causes, you know, I mean, he's he's a part of the hobby. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the, the and the, the hobby definitely has its characters. Scott was oh, one yeah. of those guys, didn't he? Doesn't he get like, or didn't he used to get booted regularly from? Oh the... yeah, he got thrown off of things all the time. But you yeah. know, he'd come back and you know he'd be all right. He's you yeah. know, Scott. That's how yeah. you, you when you're talking on these things, you're you're behind a keyboard, so you could be 11 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. You can say ridiculous things to people. I mean, I'm as right wing as 
Adolf Hitler by the time you're done, if you listen to me talking on Facebook, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you at in uh, your progress with this historical module that you're working on? Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of the map. Yeah, that you yeah, sent. That you sent, yeah. Yeah, uh, Nadir Al-Farrar has done the map, and he did like a spectacular job. I mean, you know, from what I had done originally when I drew the map, I took my copy of it that was on the 8.5 by 11 sheet and blew it up to the size of 10 geo map boards. And I had it, you know, down at a winter offensive one year, and he came out of the room and he says, oh, he says, you know, I, he introduced himself, and he says, I can do this up for you if you'd like, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, I just started doing this a couple months ago. I got like two scenarios on it. And he says, well, if you ever want the map done, he goes, let me know. Nothing happened for like 10 years. I did like two more scenarios on it. It sat on my shelf. And then I you know, I went down the winter offensive again. And I said, well, let me bring this down and see if anybody wants to play it. So I set it up in a hallway. I couldn't get anybody to play it because the map was so horrible. And everybody was playing all the new stuff that they put out. Yeah. And, uh. He came out of the thing again. He says, oh, remember we talked about this? I says, oh, yeah. He says, give me a call. Another year and a half went by, two years, and uh, we were on the Game Squad forum one night, and he said I was fooling around with it, looking at it, cleaning out my shelf, and he, he sent me a message, you know, are you still interested in doing that Denard thing? So I took a picture of it on my iPhone and sent it to him, and two days later, he comes back with, like, the topography of the map laid out completely on two 24 by 36 map sheets. Wow. And from there, we spent, like, six months going over the terrain, like, you know, hex by hex with Google Earth and old pictures that we found. I mean, we did some research on this area that, you know, I, I'm pretty safe to say nobody has done, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it has a town. <clears throat> well, there's actually, like, a town in on both sides, it looks like, right? Yeah, it, there's a town. It's surrounded by cliffs on both sides. I mean, you have on one side, the the, the east side of the river, you have the citadel. It's this medieval fortress from, like, the 1400s that stands on top of a cliff directly overlooking the river, like a 90-foot cliff. And on the other side, you have these wooded cliffs that just go up, like, about 90 feet. And that's and the side you the Germans... And then go up to a hill that slopes up behind it. And that's where the Germans came in? Yeah, the Germans came in from the east, like out of the Ardennes. They came to the Meuse, Meurs, whatever the river is called. Yeah. Uh, and they came into this town, and they saw these cliffs, and they were like, okay, we've got to get across the river. So they threw uh, a recon platoon across the river. And they got into the buildings on the far side of the river, and then the French, who had just fallen back across the river and blew the bridges earlier in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Uh, they started to react to the Germans being across the river, and they started shooting at everybody else that was coming across, so they stopped trying to cross. So they had like a, a platoon and a half of guys across the river in these buildings, and the French up on the cliff starting to come to life, so to speak. You know, it was all wooded. They couldn't tell where they were shooting from. Uh, and they stayed, the Germans pulled back into these buildings, and they stayed there. Rommel came up and said, what are you people doing? Get across the river. So they tried to cross the river, and they got shot up. And he went back and got uh, some artillery pieces and a couple of tanks and brought them back to use as support and told them to get back across the river. And the guys across the river to set the buildings they were in on fire. So they did, and they got across the river. And then there was some fighting on the other side that uh, the French were trying. They were disorganized, I mean, at best. They thought they had five days to get this into a defensible position, and they only had three. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the unit that was there before them locked the pillboxes and took the keys. Oh. So they, the only way they could get into the pillboxes was to blow them up <laughs> to get the doors off. <laughs> only the so backside. They, they didn't even have, you know, use of the pillboxes that were in position. You know, they, they were locked and, and bolted from the inside. <laughs> it was a pretty twisted position. I mean, it, they were a disorganized group at best, but they were good soldiers. You know, they were they were they had just marched like 125 miles in like four days or something like that. Mm. So they were pretty beat up and tired. You know, but it, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's got a lot of uh, a lot of various stuff going on. There's a cavalry action. There was a division of cavalry just off the map that was sending out like probes to try to find out where the Germans were crossing because they didn't have any communications. So they were sending out at night during the, after the first night. Uh, they sent out like a company-sized cavalry probe to discover where the Germans were crossing the river. So you know, I got a scenario with a it's a cavalry probe at night. You know, you get wow. different stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and so there'll yeah. be plenty of uh, boat crossing, I assume. Oh, you got a, a big monster uh, crossing scenario that's sixty German squads against, uh, like, 43 French or something like that. Oh, I mean, it's, wow. it's just a huge, huge scenario. Uh, Ron Dewinsky and I have played it, like, twice now so far, and it's just, it's 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 really, when you get into trying to cross a river with a, a force of, like, a battalion or more, you really have, like, you, you see the problems that, that can arise. You know, like, what do you do with the boats on the far side of the river? You just abandon them, or do you, yeah. you, you, you got to get them back across, you know? Yeah, right. You know, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems that uh, arise for the guy trying to cross the river, you know, as well as the defender that's trying to stop him. And that's a two-hex river? Uh, two to th- three-hex river. It's a beautiful... So with your rafts, it takes you, you know, you're on the beach, you got to unbeach them, you, you know, you, you paddle across yeah. two squares, two hexes, and, yeah. you know, then the next turn you land, in, and meanwhile you got the guy up on the, the cliff face with the heavy machine gun that, you know, if he gets the rate of fire, he can really make people hurt in the river. It sounds great, and it looks great. Can we post this picture that you sent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one I sent is, uh, that's the two, uh, which one Which one do you have? You have? We have a river picture with a game in play on it? Yeah, yeah, you can use that one, yep, that's fine. Oh, great. Okay, that won't be like a copyright problem or... No, you know what it is right now. It's uh, Nadir. Nadir and I put the he put the map together. He drew it. You know, we were talking together, and we're trying. We talked to MMP about it, and they're very interested in it. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what the process that they do is. You know, they haven't. We haven't signed any contracts or anything at this point. So, you know, it's just a game that I'm putting out there to to get people to play right now. I'm trying to get some play testers together for it. Yeah. Okay. You know, I got a couple of groups. I got. that are interested in playtesting. i got some guys that are doing it on Vassal. Call the Gurus put together a campaign game for it that uh, I think is going to blow people's minds when they see it. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So you're, you'll have, obviously, a series of scenarios, and then one campaign game, or will there be? It's just going to be one. You, yeah. It was just a two-day action. I mean, it happened yeah, okay. the afternoon of one day, the night, when a lot of stuff went on, the Germans crossed the river at night in strength. Uh, then the next day they broke out of the bridgehead, you know, and they moved on to this town just beyond the map called Anhe, where I'll have another geo map uh, scenario depicting the the attack on Anhe, where 
during the night he sent a recon column from the town of Denant to Anhe down the highway. And they approached the town, and they didn't get into it, and they sent a message back that they were at Anhe that got mistranslated to Rommel and told to him that they were encircled at Anhe. So he immediately ordered 30 tanks that had crossed the river to go to Anhe. So they, they busted out of the bridgehead, and they went to Anhe to aid. And there was like an all-day fight for Anhe between some French infantry and a supporting French counterattack of armor from the cavalry division. So it'll be a big, big six-board geo-board scenario. Yeah. Now, wh- you know. what are people going to need to own to play this? Croix de Guerre. Okay. And uh, there'll be some counters probably for uh, uh, the campaign game uh, that Carl's doing. He's got, he really got into the engineering details of building the pontoon bridges and you yeah, know, uh, inflating the rafts. The... <clears throat> so that's how the tanks got across on the pontoons then? They actually had a ferry. They had oh. uh, two, t- two types of ferry. They had an 8-ton and a 16-ton ferry that uh, the 8-ton could move the Panzer IIs and uh, stuff like that across, and then the uh, the 16-ton uh, the could move the Mark IVs across, the Panzer IVs. Wow. You know, but uh, it was quite an engineering feat that uh, the Germans put on there to build the, the pontoon bridge across during the night, and uh, they got the ferries anchored down on both sides with a pulley so that it could just get pulled across instead of having to use the outboard motor. Yeah. You know, and they speeded up the crossing that way. But uh, he's got all that in the campaign game. He's worked out uh, how to, the engineering works, the time it takes to inflate the rafts and stuff like that. Because the campaign game is going to be seven dates that just, uh, they're basically like four hours chunks of time. So it'll be like 28 hours that the action took place just on the map. The whole campaign will be like seven campaign dates, but it'll represent the day a little bit more than the day. Yeah. So the the reorganization phase, you're not going to be moving people around. You're just going to be like resetting and going again, you know, as the time continues. You'll get a little bit of uh, the Germans. uh, Germans get their reinforcement groups, and then the French will have to pick their reinforcement groups a day ahead of time. You know, a day ahead of time. Oh, I see. Okay. To show their inflexibility, like they didn't really have the tactical flexibility to say, oh, the Germans are here. They would say, you know, take an infantry company and go there, you know, and these guys would trudge along a road for six hours and then show up, you know. Yeah. So it might not be the right reinforcement in the right place at the right time, you know. you got to sort of guess that. It's going to be interesting. Carl's done some really good stuff on it. I mean, he's got a lot of unique things in this campaign game that I don't think you've seen in any other. Yeah, it sounds really great. Have you found any instances where the the rules or the constraints of ASL haven't let you do something that you might have wanted to do otherwise? Uh, not really. I I always try to stay within the rules of ASL. I'm like I'm a designer that tries to keep it simple. You know, I don't like to go outside the counter mix or the uh, the rule book. You know, okay. you can, the, the people that wrote the rules are much better at it than I. You know, so for me to try to say, okay, I'm going to change this, I'm, I'm usually not looking at the implications of that change, you know, against a guy up on a hill or a guy in a tank or, 
you know, there's so many different things that can happen when you change one rule. You right. know, it's like that old story with the guy that stepped off the ramp onto the butterfly and changed history. Right. You know, it's just, you know, you don't want to do that if you can help it. So I tried to keep it within the Croix de Guerre countermix and, you know, the, the ASL rule book. Everything is pretty well written there. I mean, they have cliffs, they have rivers, they have rafts, they have assault boats. Yeah. What more do you need? You know, I mean, Carl got into the detail with the engineers a little bit more because you really haven't seen engineers performing over an extended period, you know, where they have to actually bring the bridges in and unload right. them off of the trucks and, you know, go through that type of process, which in a campaign game you'll do, you know, but in a scenario, it's going to be there to start. You know, you're not looking at that, that level of detail. Yeah. And then you, and you sent a uh, image of a setup for one of the scenarios where Kleinschmidt does the flanking maneuver. Yes, that's, uh, I just, uh, I was talking to Ron Dewinsky, who's been a real playtest help with this. He's been my main playtest guy. Uh, and he was like, oh, you should do a couple of geoboard maps, you know, to show the fighting before and after and, you know, what happened right after. And I said, coming through the Ardennes is always interesting because you get to, to, do, to do a forest, you know, scenario. Right. And, uh... Then, you know, the other one where they come out on the other end after they cross at Anhe is like this attack with two armored columns clashing over infantry fighting for a town, you know, in grain fields. So, you know, early war stuff is always cool if you can do a big tank and infantry battle, you know. So, you know, I find a lot of people now play tourney scenarios a lot. You know, a lot of the, the, the focus in ASL is on a small... Yeah, six turn, eight turn. Six, eight turn scenario with like, you know, 10, 12 squads or 15 squads aside maximum. Yeah. You know, and the, the focus is on that. I, I tend to, you know, go into like bigger actions, you know, like it's it's a more meaty chunk than a scenario like that. It'll take like eight to 10 plus hours to play it. You know, it's going to be a day long project to play one of my scenarios usually. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And I like, I, I really like those. Yeah, I, I don't don't tend to do smaller ones well, you know, because I think part of my philosophy on playtesting is you don't need to playtest it to death. You know, you don't have to play it 60 times. If you get good players to play it and give you their opinions. You yeah. know, like if I get Steve Pleva and Gary Fortenberry and Perry and Brian playing a scenario and we sit down and talk about it, I'm pretty confident we can get that scenario in the ballpark that it's going to be a good scenario. You know, and there's players like Brett Hildebrand and, you know, guys like that, that if you can get them to play your scenarios and get their opinion on it, you're you're in the ballpark with, you know, as far as scenario balance, especially if it's a bigger scenario like that, because there's so many things that can happen. You know, you have, uh, you have so many different things that can go wrong, malfunctions, people going crazy, turning berserk. You know, as opposed to a smaller scenario where if that happens, it can be the, the whole scenario can change on just one die roll. Yeah, having that fewer troops, it does. When you, you blow four morale checks in a row, suddenly that's half your force as opposed to just being a small portion of the force in a larger scenario. Right, exactly. You know, and, uh, I, have a rules, I have a rules question for you. Maybe you can answer because we I, I think we came up with this when we were talking about... Uh, boats and things like that and 
if a unit goes berserk and the closest enemy unit, known enemy unit, is on the other side of the river... Oh, yeah, I was, I was... Okay. What happens? If a unit goes berserk and there's somebody on the other side of the river, are they a valid... Yeah. Uh, not, and they're the closest, right? they got to be the right. closest. Yeah. So the, uh, how do they get across the river? Do they have a boat? No. No. Because I so, think people in boats can't go berserk. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think if you if you get into a boat, you can't go berserk. So, you know, if they had a boat and they could get into it, as soon as they got into the boat, I would say that they're not berserk any longer. Yeah. You know, but otherwise... Yeah, because boats, boats are very soothing. Boat right, rides exactly. are very, very soothing. <laughs> Except under One fire. guy's always in the back just dragging his hand in the water. <laughs> yeah. He's been shot in the forehead, but, you know, it's not... <laughs> don't put that in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, if he's just he's just on the shore, there's no boats. No, they're not valid. Goes berserk. Across them. Right. They're not. I would say he's not a valid target for the berserk thing. Then you'd okay. look for somebody on his side of the river or the water obstacle. Okay. That, that would, would be my sense. opinion on it. But I'm I'm wrong ninety nine point four one percent of the time. <laughs> that's hard. That's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I usually like uh, with me with rules questions, I'm. I'm bad. I mean, the people I game with, it's it's almost comical because I'm wrong so often, you know. It's just, I, I accept it. You know, I, whatever the other guy says, I'll play, you know. I mean, you can come up with some ridiculous thing like, no, no, my starship descends then, and, you know. Yeah. Okay, you got it. <laughs> Stuka? Well, that's good. That's good to hear because uh, I can imagine that there are a lot of players that don't – there are a lot of people that might play ASL but don't because they're worried about stuff like that. They're worried about doing the rules right. 8.2. 8.2? The, 8.2, the guiding force of your life. If Once, you've done it and you committed the act, and you, you nope, no longer nope. can worry about it. Yeah, no going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like that's the way it is. And I tell people it's like that. I'm trying to get these guys to play ASL in the game club that I'm in. And, you know, they're playing starter kit. And I told them, I said, you get one scenario with infantry. One scenario with guns, one scenario with tanks, and then you're going to play ASL. Yeah, yeah, fully. You know, you know, you don't have to play the ASL starter kit for two and a half years. Right. You know, it's like you learn how to do the infantry movement. Next turn, you play the game with the guns, and you learn how to shoot a gun. And then you play a game with a vehicle, and you learn how to drive around with a tank. And then you learn how to put a sniper on the board, and you're playing ASL. Yeah, and you if know? you don't want to use more complicated parts of the full ASL, just skip them. Right, exactly. There's scenarios to play out there. If you just want to play an infantry scenario, that's all you got to play. But you, know, yeah. you put a sniper counter on the board, you do ELR, and you, you play an ASL. I mean, it's, it's you yeah, know they, they make too much of a differentiation between ASL starter kit and ASL. I mean, it should, it should be a stepping stone. It shouldn't be a, a permanent level. You know, I mean, if some people get too comfortable in the starter kit mode. You know, you only have these certain amount of rules. The rule book intimidates them. It shouldn't. You know, if you just look at the headers in the rule book, that's what I tell them is just look at the headers in the rule book. Don't read the rule. Just learn what's in the rule book. And when you need the rule, you go back to that header and you read the rule. Yeah. You know, because 99% of the rules you're not going to use in any game. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it is true. Anytime I'm doing a game, if it's, you know, pair drop, then I'm going to read that. And... Right, exactly. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're going to use that section of the rules, then you... You go back and you, you read them, but if you're not going to use that section of the rules, don't, don't worry about them, you know. I mean, you just play the game. And the game, basically, after you played the starter kits, you know, with the tanks, the guns, and the, the infantry, 
you're playing ASL at that point. You know, I mean, you're just covering it up with candy coating if you don't put a sniper on the board and allow you to move. You know, how, how difficult is it to teach somebody you can move around the woods or a building on your hex edge? Yeah, that's, yeah, not too yeah. hard, really. Not, you know, and, and, and then ambush. and Right, and the first time you sleaze them, they'll remember the vehicle bypass sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Newbies learn painfully. Life is tough. It's tougher if you're stupid. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've learned that from experience myself. Well, I find that very interesting that that somebody that's creating all these uh, great scenarios is admittedly, well, doesn't know the rules very well. That's no. different, though, than whether or not you're a good player. Do you con- could, do you consider yourself a decent player? Uh, I'm not bad. You know, hmm. I mean, tactically, I'm. Uh, I think my my strength is in my dice. You know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer that you put yourself in a position to take advantage of good luck. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, I play the game, I'll take, like, weird risks and that, but if I roll that dice at the right time, I'm going to yeah. win. Yeah. You know, I, I leave myself in that position that, like, I got that one shot, you know, it may be a one in a hundred, but I'll take it. You know, because sometimes you're on the edge of the cliff with 300 people chasing you, and the only thing you can do is jump, you know, yeah. so you might as well take that shot. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, I'm not a bad player. I've had success at uh, when I used to have the old Avalon Con ASL tournaments. I used to go down there strictly to play ASL for the week, you know. Since I had kids, uh, I went into the more of the open gaming area to play, you know. Right. But and now that my, my sons are gone out of the house, um, I got more time on my hands, you know, I'm retired, I don't have to worry about it, so I can, you know, I'm back into ASL again, you know, it's like a game that it's, I've always loved over the years, I've kept current with it, you know, and... Uh, Did, I, were I, you able to get your sons interested in it? Um, not really, uh, my one son, uh, he's into miniatures, he paints miniatures, he does oh. Flames of War, the World oh, yeah. War Two miniatures game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got... Maybe like ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars worth of flames of war stuff. You know, I mean, he's really into painting. I used to just take like a, a figure and paint it green and a dab of black on the face, you know, to show it was camouflaged, and that was my idea of a painting. He'll yeah. spend like two days painting a miniature, you know. Yeah, no, I've I've done a lot of miniature painting. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my painting days are over. I got Parkinson's a couple of years ago, so you know, I'm uh, like a menace with a paintbrush. You know, yeah. just standing next to me, it's like. The only thing worse is if I'm eating peas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like buckshot coming at you. But, you know, I mean, it's painting miniatures requires a certain skill set, and it's a money pit, you know? Yeah. It can be a very expensive hobby to, to follow. You know, yeah, I've I only just, tried it once, and I was too eager to play the game. Yeah, to, exactly. To do the painting. You know? The, the painting is it's nice to do, you know, I mean, it's sort of like, I guess, counter-clipping. Yeah, it's therapeutic. You know, I mean, it's like it's on the same level of counter-clipping. You're preparing the game to be played for more yeah. time than you're actually playing the game. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm like you. I, you know, put the game on the table, let's play it. You know, my counters aren't clipped. I got nubs on the edge that you can only stack three counters high without them turning sideways. Yeah. You know. And you have a regular group that you play with, is that right? Well, I got the. There's a group of gamers here, the Jersey area gamers. They uh, they meet twice a month um, at a church in a comic book store, and you know they play. There's a couple of guys there that are playing a starter kit. Uh, Ron Dolinsky is 
my lone ASL player that I do. But I think what uh, I used to do is I ran a tournament up by me called Mountain Wars years ago. Uh, I ran it for about five years, and I had an ASL tournament up there that I used to call the ASL Championship of the World. Hmm. And I used to get a lot of static about it. You know, everybody was like, how can you say that? The Oktoberfest has, you know, the growth has, and, you know, I was like, I can call it anything I want. Nobody else has a tournament they call the Championship of the World. <laughs> That's right. You know, I said, it's the Championship of the World. They said, well, how can people from Europe get there? I said, they take a plane, just like they do to go to Oktoberfest. They yeah. get off, they said, well, do you have a hotel set up? I said, no, they got to find one. You know, this isn't like a competition. It's easy to get here and be the champion of the world. You've got to be the champion of the world. You've got to get here. If you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen. Exactly. You know, and uh, the first year I told them I was going to give them a T-shirt, and this guy Brian Sealski won, and I never gave him a T-shirt. <laughs> and to this day, he's like still got his tagline on Concert World, is I was the first ASL championship of the world winner, and I never got a T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> I love that, though. Breaking the rules. Yeah, you know. So I was thinking of doing it again because now with uh, that I'm back into it, I got the clubhouse right up. I mean, it's a perfect venue for it. I mean, it'll hold like 200 people. And uh, I'll just, you know, do a game day and throw something like where people can come and play games because there's a lot of people at the game club that play good games. I mean, there's a lot of war gamers there to play, you know, GMT stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, just do a game day where I get some ASL going on up there and I'll reopen the championship of the world again. You know, this time, maybe I'll give him a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can give him one of our... Hey, you can give him a two-half-squat T-shirt. Oh, yeah, I'll buy no, one. You we guys got a are couple still of selling those... them, right? Two XLs uh, left that people were... I remember I told them they had to buy one, and people don't seem to be taking me seriously. Two would have a perfect. The two XL is perfect. How much are the two XLs? Um, $15. For... You take PayPal? Well, for you, I, I think it's free. No, no, no. Okay, I'll pay you. I want to get a set of your cards, too. I've been meaning to do that. I, I keep oh, we're out of the cards. Oh, you're afraid. out of the cards. No, yes. that's a killer. But, but we do have a waiting list, so we'll, we can add it to the waiting list. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, and then if we get enough, like, eight people or so, we'll go ahead and do another show. you got to keep these things in stock, man. This, could be, this is a big moneymaker for you guys. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems like we end up with, like, just, just so many T-shirts left, and then it drives me nuts because I want to get them cleared out of my house. Well, you know, a 2XL is the perfect size to buy for ASLers, too. I mean, you know, don't don't be buying smalls. Well, that's what I thought, but then I ordered too many 2XLs. Yeah, you can never have too many 2XLs. Believe me, they're going to go. You know, well, you bring them five... to a tournament and throw them on a the table, people will buy them. And you tell yeah, them they... this is the last five, and they'll buy them for 25 or 30 bucks a piece. Yeah, we probably figured take them to the open in the spring. We should, boil... Here. We should boil them. Shrink be... wrap them. You have them shrink wrapped in a bag and tell them this is one of the last five. There you go. And sign it. And yeah. The value of it will go up like threefold. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. You know, there'll be 10,000 of them floating around, but who cares? Yeah, send us your address with the photo for the for the podcast. And, you know, I'd like to revisit the Denant. So, so the work's in progress now. Yeah, so yeah. MP had some interest because I'm thinking about how do you go forward with this? Well, uh, I'm going to go down to Winter Offensive this year. Are you guys going? No. We, well, we, maybe we should again, John. I don't know. We might. We, might. we have to. January? January? It's a great weekend of, uh, of ASL. I mean, it's, it's, the one, it's the best tournament that I go to every year. I don't go to the Oktoberfest. I go to this thing every year. Yeah. It's a great weekend. I mean, you have the, the people there are great. Uh, it's, a, it's a good setting. Yeah, they used to it. have the best crab chowder in the world at the bar, but the, the cook died, I think. 
<laughs> well, hopefully he left the recipe. Yeah. Well, no, hopefully he not from eating his crab chowder. Last year they said, no, they don't have it anymore. The guy died. Oh, what? Oh, man. Yeah, it, it was a bummer. I was severely bummed. But that's the um, MMP. Uh, so what a, what a tease you right. are. <laughs> Come for the chowder, the guy died. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, know, you, not... you have to look at it through the first rule. Oh, what? <laughs> what's that? Uh... The first rule is how does this affect me, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it, you always look at anything you do. How's, how's it going to affect Dan? <laughs> that's true. So yeah. but the winter offensive was the MMP. Yeah, uh, weekend, right? Yep. Yeah, we have to get there sometime. Guys. Yeah, you guys should come, man. You'd have a great time there. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Brian and Perry put on a good show, Chaz. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. They always have like the new releases. This year they got Hakapali. Well, that's what we finally, heard. Can finally, you, can you believe? I think I'm going to be a counter in that one because I play tested that one. Did you really play test it? Yes. HP. Wow, that's you know. I, I thought it was a legend. I didn't think it actually existed. <laughs> yeah, we All these sure. years, I was thinking like they were just goofing on people. That they were going to put the fins out again because it, it's like, how could you have these guys with morale of eleven? You know, I mean, it's like they self rally. They have nuclear powered skis. <laughs> yeah, their reindeers are on steroids. It's like <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm looking forward to those great counters. I, that's that's a horror too. They should have had some. They, they should be a little more creative with their counters. I mean, it's like they they could have been white and gray or something like that, or you know, even like a, a like a tan and gray. You know, like the Chinese counters. I think the Chinese counters are cool. They're one the of the best tone. in the system. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, they should do some more like that. You know, liven up the counters, and they should have more on sale. I think they should have nationality packs at the counters. Well, that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've been telling them that for years. Have a pack yeah. of the information counters. Have a pack of each nationality. Yep. yep. Yeah, I never you know thought I mean? of that. But, yeah, because if you don't, you know, if you already got the maps and the giant maps. Right. That... Scenarios. So, you know, I don't need the maps and the scenarios anymore. I need the rule section and the counters because That's my right. old counters are wearing out. Yep. You know, I mean, you keep those, you put the rule sections out like, what is it, the, the two that they've done, West Alamein and now Rising Sun is Chapter G. Yeah. You can't buy those unless you buy the, the the whole module. I don't need those scenarios. I got the scenarios ready. A tweak in a couple of the victory conditions doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just my opinion personally. I mean, I got the counters. I just I just need the, the rule section. And how do they respond when you give them these ideas? Because they don't respond too well when we give them those ideas. Well, we well Brian have... tells me to shut the hell up, not in those <laughs> gentle terms, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, you then know, it's similar. I accept it because it's his business, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he can't, I'm telling the guy how to run his business, so yeah. if he tells me to, you know, bleep off. Yeah, and everyone tells him how to run the business. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with gamers, you're dealing with, like, a, a society of people with, like, you know, you're, you're bordering on aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're very invested in this, aren't we? I mean, if, <laughs> if an alien came to this planet and wanted to hide amongst a group, it would be the gaming society of the yeah. world, and it would probably be the ASL players. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know, the D&D players would no, no, the D&D players are too weird. The people are looking at them. The ASL players sort of blend into society. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're the ones that, like, they're scary. You know, they're the air traffic controllers and, you know, the people that, like, actually run things. Work at Motorola, design technology. Yeah, exactly. Teach you know, children. We, you got guys that are running, like, artillery bases in, like, Alaska and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so you take the product over there to the... Winter Offensive and then present it as it is and hope they... Uh, well, it's, it's pretty close now. I mean, like, the scenarios that I've got, I've, uh, with the exception of the one I just sent you guys, the Geoboard one, uh, I've, I've had them played, or they've all been played. 
So, you know, the little kinks and nicks are added mostly, I think. I mean, like when you get other eyes on them, things tend to change a bit. Right. And so, so you know. but MMP hasn't made any commitments. No, like they, they're very interested. Chaz and I have talked about this for about five years. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not looking to sell it to anybody else. I mean, yeah. Okay. Point. Okay. That was my next question. If, when you know, you uh, MMP's, to... it's MMP's baby. If yeah, they I thought want I saw it. it. I thought they mentioned it somewhere in a magazine that they were. Yeah, well, they're going to run a mini tournament this week, this uh, this year at uh, Winter Offensive. We're running a three round mini tournament. Okay. So uh, you know, they're, I mean, it's it's their product. I mean, let's put it that way. If they if they say that they want it, they can have it. You know, Carl's designing a campaign game. The deer did the map, and I'm doing the scenarios with the idea that it's going to them. Right. You know, I mean, uh, well, how sure they want to so. handle it. Yeah. I, hopefully, I'd, I'd I'd rather see it published faster. Rather than slower, but you know that's up to them. I mean, they got a print queue and a product queue that they got to do their business with, and that's ultimately their decision. I mean, when you turn these things over to these companies, you got to let it go. You know, you move on to the next next one. You know, it's like a, it's like a baby. You know, you grow it up to a point where you kick it out of the house. Yeah, and then it comes you back know. to live with you with the girlfriend. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, I mean that's. That, that goes without saying, but, you know, I mean, that, that's what makes life interesting. You know, these are little things, you know, I tell my wife, you can't, you can't go through a flat all the time. You've got to have, like, the little rises and falls. Yep. And hope when you fall, you don't, like, really hit the bottom hard. Yeah, very true. Well, uh, we're be, we'll be looking forward to that anyway, because that's what we do. We'll be wondering every day, like, when is that going to come out? When's that going to come out? <laughs> Because that's yeah, what we well, do. So hopefully sooner, like you say, sooner and not yeah, later. Well, I, you guys, do you guys play with a group out there? Well, I have a local club that I was running pretty strongly, um, but that's really fallen to the wayside as I've put more time into my son's game. Oh, yeah. Dungeons How old are you They're, uh, I have a junior and an eighth grader. Oh, boy. okay. Yeah, they're just turning into mutants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but they will do D and D with a group of their friends. So I'm trying to give them some priority, and so we're really playing less. And Jeff's involved with um, Spilky. You might know Rich Spilky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing a lot of Tarawa. So yeah, that's just, a great we're, module. We're starting the Tarawa campaign Saturday. Oh, that'll keep you occupied for a while. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward be. to that. Listening to you guys on that, you've been doing a great job on that. Oh, thanks. thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And box art review. You know, you got to do some some box art review too. You know, you got Hakapala you can critique. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And we have original prints of that from when we interviewed the artist Ken Smith. Did you really? We yeah. did. Yeah. He's done some nice stuff, man. He's yeah, like I've seen end. it. They they auction it off down at Winter Offensive. They have a big auction there every year, and usually they got a painting or two of his. You know. Yeah. Oh, nice. And uh, you know they you, they put your number into a bin and you pull it. They when they pull it out, you get to come up and pick up every something off of the table. You know, and they yeah. have like all sorts of stuff up there. Kurt Schilling autographed jersey. You know, uh, a box of ASL for a year. You know, yeah, anything, any MMP game for a year. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, you can get some good stuff. Well, we won't make any promises because uh, we're just not gonna. We're but that, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that. May so maybe we'll see you at Winter Offensive anyway with something we can look forward to. Yeah, you guys would be you'd be, you'd be a great addition out there. People would like flock you. You'd be celebrities. Well, we we find that doesn't happen in a lot of places. No, 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 <laughs> man. It, you'd, you'd be you'd be uh, you know they, people would be pointing at you. I don't know what they'd be saying, but they'd be pointing. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually some are some are too shy to come up and say anything. We've had that happen too, and then yeah. some have brought gifts. Like we did when we got did get the ass lock, you know. 
We got yeah. some gifts. I mean, you do you do finally feel the love because when you're recording isolated here in the basement, you know, yeah, it's hard yeah, to tell. Yeah. Supposedly, we had a thousand five hundred people hit the site last month, and we're like, hmm, no idea that that many people checked. Yeah. In. I'm telling you, you guys are pretty popular. I mean, I know for the people I know that game, they all know of you. You know, they all, oh yeah, we listen to them. They're good. You know. Well, hopefully, we're here for their entertainment. Yes. Exactly, yeah. you know. But uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna send you a present when I send you the uh, the picture. And I'm gonna send you something snail mail. You got to give me a snail mail address. I can mail you something. Okay, okay. I'm gonna mail you a copy of the greatest game in the world. All right, that's really nice. Great. Now, do you have any parting words you'd like to say to the listenership? Uh, parting words to say to the listenership: Doesn't Be lucky. Be... It's better than being good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> So we'll wrap All right, up guys, it's been great talking to you. Yes, yeah, indeed, Dan. Very Thank good you so much. To you too. Have a great evening, and uh, we'll we'll let you know when this is going to air so that you can uh, kind of swagger around and, you know, boast oh, a little I'll, bit. Forget yeah. it, man. I'm, I'm, you... expecting, I'm expecting babes. My wife yeah. <laughs> is going to be insane with jealousy when the babes start coming by. Yep. And if you need anything edited out, you better let us know before we yeah. post it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know, if I say anything to get me in trouble, it won't be anything worse than I've said over the years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, well, uh, Thanks again, All Dan. Right. Thanks, Dan. Guys, Take have care. a good night. All you right. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The fabulous Dan Dolan. Wonderful interview. You know what I like about him? A lot. He likes us. <laughs> I like that. I like that in a man. I admire that about people that like me. <laughs> and he was funny and yeah. wit and wit wise in the ways of ASL. Well, not the rules, but the history yes. of it. He's been around. And I like the... Historical discussion of the battle itself to help set that up. And yeah, this uh, scenario pack and campaign game looks like a lot of fun. The picture you, that he sent us is really cool and very unique. Yep. I haven't seen the likes of that in this game, so uh, I think it's going to be a hit. But how long? How long do you think it's going to be? We've been talking about Hakapale for five years. And it's out. And, well, well it's, it's on pre-order. It's on pre-order. Boys and girls. It, I mean, it could be another year. The cruel joke isn't. No, because every listener be that long. has two things they have to do. One, pre-order Akapali so I can see my counter finally. Yeah. The full name, not my two half-name counters I got in the other in the starter kit. The Klein and Schmidt, separate. But the full name, because I was a playtester, you know, so I'm sure yeah. I'm in there sooner. And everyone was going to go pre-order that. And then they're all going to order a 2XL or 3XL T-shirt from us. You got two things to do, people. <laughs> Get on it. And leave us a voicemail, because now we're out of them. Begging. He's begging. No, I'm commanding. You're commanding. I'm right. going to get better results by commanding the listeners. Yeah, to well, do things. yeah, that's possible. Yeah. Be like Steve Jobs. That's how he created the Internet. Uh, we'll see, uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm not going to go around... Uh, trying to sell the idea of a of a Jeff Halleck counter. I'm just going to be surprised when one shows up. <laughs> It'll show up before mine. It, full, it's full possible. One. I do still count. Yeah. I do have the Klein. I think Schmidt. I'm looking for a Colonel Jeffrey and a Major Hallett. <laughs> Colonel Jeffrey. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, anyway, boys and girls, I think this has gone on quite long enough. Yeah, thanks for listening. This was the end of episode 130. We think. Yeah, we're pretty sure. And we hope you'll join us again next next time for more antics and crazy ASL talk. Yep. Bye-bye, everybody. And Oh, but wait. There's... Before you go, remember. Roll low. And rally well. <laughs> but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us.
Now, bye bye, everybody. Boy, we almost forgot to sign off. Yeah, it was close. Long time. Yeah. yeah.